0: First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, we're going to be looking this morning at uh, a healthy church. And as a matter of fact, this, uh, this scripture would really be a good church manual for what is expected of membership in the New Testament church. I, I absolutely love this passage of scripture. And it's all commands. That's the kind of the crazy thing about it. It's all commands. And we're commanded to do these things. And um, hopefully you'll hear a little bit about what it's like to be me from this passage. But uh, again, I want to begin by saying it was six years ago today that we began this journey. It was on February 11th. I believe 2018, something like that. We, we, we started meeting in here, and the worship center was definitely a lot darker. That would be a good word, wouldn't you agree? Remember that darker, much darker, not not spiritually dark, but darker. And um, there were about 40 of us. And uh, how many of you were here? on that first Sunday that I was here? Raise your hand, okay? And how many of you were not here? Raise your hand, okay? So, you know, you you can see that there is definitely a uh, a change. We've had a lot of people. Uh, we're, we're down today, but like last week, we had 100 people, and the week before that, had 100 people. and And, you know, since I've been here... I've buried both my parents. I buried Julie's mom. Uh, I experienced the birth of two grandsons. Had to deal with COVID. Oh my goodness, that's a nightmare. Do y'all remember the days of COVID? Oh, just makes me sick to think about it. Uh, uh, Added a silver lab to our family. uh, Helped Julie recover from a broken hip. That's a lot of fun. Killed a buck. Started fishing. Bought a truck. None of those things were Bill Ashburn. Started playing pickleball. And, and, you know, my life has been, uh, there's been so much that has happened in the last six years. We've renovated the children, the youth, uh, we've, we've done the outside here, the commons area, the office area. Uh, you know, God has been so good. And I remember telling the, the, um, search team that, you know, I I didn't want to just be a church in the community. I wanted to make a difference in the community, and that's still very much my heart. I I don't want to play church, and and that's real hard because most churches, what they do from pastor to pastor is play church. They do the same thing the same way, Uh, and as long as you do that, you're okay, right? Well, we've Kind of haven't done that, so. Uh, but 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 the thing I want you to see this morning is how practical the scripture is about how to be a member. Okay, that's really what I want you to see. So I'm going to read verses 12 through uh, 15. Okay, and I want you to follow along. This is not hard. You don't have to know Greek to understand this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, so Paul is writing to Christians. This letter of 1 Thessalonians is to a group of Christians. And he says, dear brothers and sisters, and then he says, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. It's a command. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. And then he says, brothers and sisters. He's going to continue with these commands. He says, we urge you. This means this is serious. We urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, Take tender care of all of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all the people. Those are a bunch of commands. And and they're very, very important for you to understand. Now, the first one I'm going to confess to you, I felt very, I I, I hate talking about me. Uh, That's just not one of my joys. But as I, I dealt with the text, verses 12 and 13, basically, if you want to summarize what it says to do, a healthy church, a healthy church, not unhealthy church, but a healthy church allows leaders... To lead. Healthy churches allow leaders to lead. Now what I've seen through the years a lot of time is unhealthy churches try to lead the pastor. And then you have a lot of pastors that are dictators and they try to lead the church but maybe don't love the people. But but, but the thing I want you to understand, the commands that are there is that that as a pastor... My job is to lead you. Now you may not think it's very hard to do. Uh, you know the jokes. I I hear them. You only work one day a week, two if you count Wednesday. Uh, I, I, I you know I've heard all that. I mean you uh, you it, it, my brother he gives me grief. That's a real job what you do. Um, you you I understand that you don't know what it's like to be me. And uh, I don't know what it's like to be you. But here's what you do need to know. You need to know the only reason. The only reason Bill Ashburn would come to Mount Ida, Arkansas, or anywhere else is because God told him to. <laughs> I'm a Texan by birth. I'll be buried probably in Arkansas um, because I love this state. I love this community. Uh, but but the only reason I'm here is because this is where God wanted our family to be. And, and we said yes. And, and when I came here, you know, anytime... The thing they didn't tell me in seminary that I've learned, I'm 65 now, is the thing they didn't tell me in seminary is that every decision, and I underline every decision, every decision I make makes someone mad. Did you hear that? Every decision. I mean, I could give you even here. You know what we did to this thing. Some people want to pews. I am so grateful we didn't listen to you. You would be hurting right now. Um. But but as a pastor, the the goal that I've always had is the Great Commission, which is to make disciples. And you do that by going and by baptizing, by teaching, and, 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 and my job is not a normal job. And, and you may not understand it. I, I, I feel like I work very hard. I spend a lot of hours reading and studying and praying and trying to do the right thing. Uh, I spend a lot of time because you do understand that the main responsibility of a pastor, the main responsibility of a pastor, is is to preach the word and pray. Acts chapter six, you go look in there. I'm, and I and I'm called to care, just like you're called to care. But you need to understand, it's not to play church. I, I, you know, at this age, you know, I, I have no desire to do that. And, and, and my goal since I've been here six years ago was trying to bring this church to be a church that reaches the community but also develops disciples, people who live for Christ. That, that is what I live for. When someone says to me, uh, I had my quiet time, when someone says to me, God answered a prayer, makes my day. When you show up on Sunday morning, it makes my day. When you show up on a Wednesday night, it makes my day. But what you might not know about me is it's lonely and it's hard. As a spiritual leader, it grieves me when I know someone doesn't know Christ. It grieves me. When I see Christians, then that would be you. Not living it, it grieves me. He said, Bill, you just mind your own business. I would like to. But that's not what God called me to do. When I see our church not living up to what God wants us to do, it grieves me. When people quit coming, it grieves me. When people talk about me and it always gets back. It grieves me. Because, you know, you got to understand the reason I'm here is because God called me, and my only goal is to help us all become disciples who make a difference in our community. When I see Christians put everything under the sun on a Sunday before worship, it grieves me. You're here so you don't have to worry about that one. When you fish and you hunt and you play sports and you know all that stuff, rather than worship God... It may be okay to you, but it grieves me. Why? Because I'm here to try to lead us to be what God wants us to be. When I have to go to the hospital, when I had to go to, to a, one of our members whose daughter died last week, and I'm there with a mama and a daughter, it, 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 it ruins me. See, you, 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 you may not know that, but, but, but preachers are real humans. I hurt, I cry when I see families not living up to what God wants me. It drives me insane. And so my job is different in that sense, but it's always made easier when I know that the people that are there have as their goal to do what God wants them to do. You know, we were meeting about something not too long ago. One of our men said, you know, I don't really care about that pastor, but I'm all in. That is what makes me happy. <laughs> when someone says, Hey, this isn't my shindig. This is, this isn't my, what I'm the most loving in the church, but I'm all in. Cause there's no way to please everybody in this church. It's just impossible. And I, and, and, I, and I had in my quiet time last week, and I shared it with the people on my text deal, I had to learn a long time ago that it's not my job to please you. I was reading in Galatians, and, and, and I read in Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Paul says this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. And God just kind of said, Bill, only listen to me. He went on to say, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. So my job is to build you up to be all that God wants you to be. My job is to equip you, my job is to teach you, and, and I do my best. I, I try to give you spiritual guidance, I try to encourage you, I try to say this is what you need to do, I, that, that is my heart. And and all I hope is in that series of things that you will honor. Now, notice what it says it says, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. That word honor is a word that can be translated uh, acknowledge, uh, respect, appreciate. But here's what it literally means. It means that you know me deeply. It's kind of weird. It, you don't get it when you hear respect. It's, it's like, I get my pastor now. I understand him, I understand what 's going on and, and that 's what it is to honor someone is to understand I get him. It says that you are to to honor me, and I always feel weird because i don't i, I, I don 't like all that attention anyway, but that 's what it says. It says that uh, the second thing you 're to show respect to Hold them in highest regard. And you do. I'm very happy at our church. This is not I'm I'm mad sermon. But that's what the scripture says, and then it says you're to show wholehearted love. Listen. To know that you know me, that you love me, and that you respect me just makes me want to go crazy and do the right things. I mean it really does. You know, they did a reason, you know, pastors right now are leaving the ministry at a record rate. And they did a survey and they gave the six reasons that pastors leave. One is the intent, the immense stress of the job. That stuff I was kind of telling you about, worrying about everybody. Not worrying, praying, but it worries and then I have to turn it into prayer. Uh, 56% of the guys say I can't handle it after four years. If if a guy's been there four years, that's a big deal. Uh, The second is feeling alone and isolated. Uh, 43% leave. I I don't feel alone and I don't feel isolated. I have my friend bases here. I love my family, church family. And so uh, current political division, 38%. We don't do politics in church for that very reason. Take your politics outside the walls of the church, but you bring Jesus, and that's what we make high of here. Um, unhappy with the effect the role had on family, uh, 29% leave because of that. Well, mine are, all, mine are all older, and I will tell you, it's very hard to raise your kids in the family. Isn't that right, Karen? Ask a preacher's kid what it's like to know that people say what they say behind the preacher's back. Because kids hear about it too. Fortunately, mine are all old. But they've been there, and done that. Fifth reason is they're not optimistic about the future of the church. The whole reason I go to a church is because I'm optimistic. Now, I have to admit, the very first Sunday here, I was a little concerned. It's a little dark. The, the the sixth reason is my vision for the church conflicts with the church's direction. <laughs> you know, you have a pastor wanting to go here, and you have the church wanting to go there, you've got a real problem, don't you? Y'all have been very kind, very generous to uh, follow my lead, for better or for worse. Um. I quit quitting a long time ago just cuz I got tired of quitting every every Monday I quit trust me but you know what keeps me let me give you a verse maybe to help you be consistent this verse literally gave me what I need to know that I can't quit do you know if you're a believer in in Jesus Christ you're not allowed to quit you're not allowed to say it's too hard it's too stressful it is First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, and here's what Paul said. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always Ooh, I hate that word. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I just know that you don't quit. You keep on keeping on. So I am very gracious to say that that you as a church have allowed me to leave and I do the best I can. And I'm sure I've made mistakes because I'm human, but uh, I'm constantly thinking, how can we reach more people? And, and you know, what's what churches tend to do. Let me just tell you this. They tend to remember the past and live in the past. And let me tell you what your job is, as the church is to remember the past, but create the future. Because the past is always going to be what? Every year, every day, recreate the future. So now, what about you? What are we supposed to do for each other? Well, the second thing is found in the very first part of chapter, I mean, of verse 14. And I love it. It, it says that you and I need to uh, warn those who are lazy. Some translations will use the word idol, I believe, but it, it comes from a military word. Now listen to this. It comes from military word, and a military word refers to anyone who uh who does not perform his duty or uh uh follow through with his or her responsibility. So so if you are not doing your duty in the church, if you're not following through with God, what God has called you to do in the church, the Bible says you're lazy. I hate to tell you that, but that's what it says. And he's talking to a group of Christians, and he's telling the Christians, warn the people to find their job in the church and do it. It's a military term. You think about it, if you was a church member, if you're idle, you go nowhere. If my car is in idle, we go nowhere. If your life is in idle, we go nowhere. And so therefore, every week, I beg with you, I plead with you, find your job in the church and fulfill it. Now I'm not going to tell you what your job is because that's God's responsibility. But He's got something for every one of us. Warn the lazy. We think of lazy in the the sense of just sleeping all the time. This is not what it's talking about. It, 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 it's probably better idle. Warn those who haven't found their duty. Yeah. Everyone needs to do something. We got vacation Bible school coming up. You need to tell Mary, Sheila, or Julie you'll work. I said Bill, I'm not called to work with kids. There's a million things you can do that have nothing to do with kids. But if you're an idol, nothing will get done. Warn the lazy, warn the idol. Uh, Man, second thing. And by the way, you're supposed to do that to each other. Get involved. We need you. Encourage each other. So warn the idol. But then there's the other thing. He says healthy churches encourage the timid. A, a better word maybe is faint-hearted. I don't like either one of them, to be real honest. It means uh, those who are small-souled. It means someone who's maybe discouraged, maybe depressed. Someone who doesn't have the confidence to get involved. You've got to understand this church was being persecuted. It started in in persecution. And there were some of them who were worried that living for Christ would cost them something. The truth is, living for Christ should cost you something. And he he says that we are to encourage the timid. I remember there was a friend of mine in my church in Dallas, and his name was David Moore, and he got on fire for the Lord, and he was growing spiritually, and, and uh, I asked him to teach... A life group and David wasn't raised in church and he was like, oh, I just don't, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. And I said, David, you can do it. You can do it. The class grew to 30 within a couple of months. What, but what did he need? He needed someone to say, you can do it. <coughs> Encourage people to do their deal for God. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. To encourage each other to be bold, not to be afraid, not to be scared, but to be bold. You know, gosh, these people literally were getting beat up for their faith in Christ. And so Paul commands them, encourage the fainthearted, encourage the discouraged. And then he says, a healthy church helps the weak. He's talking about spiritually immature weak people. That is what I live for because it's so important to understand that that we are to take care of those who are weak spiritually. If you're not reading God's Word, if you're not praying, if you're not obeying God's Word, if you're not worshiping, you're weak. (laughs) and and, and, and the thing that I want you to see is that we who are mature we who are strong need to encourage those who are struggling to come on we need you you can do it Uh, helps the weak I try I try I beg you all the time, read your Bible, worship, pray, be committed. I just, that's my mantra. Why? Because it makes a difference. We need to do that to each other. We need to say, hey, you you can do it or or start reading your Bible, or do this, or do that. Those, those are all so incredibly important. And, and Sunday after Sunday, if you come here, I'm going to say, step it up. <laughs> you didn't read your Bible last week, start this week. You miss three Sundays, start over and don't miss a Sunday. I mean, you just have to help each other. And the picture in the Greek of helping the weak is someone who's picking up someone who's fallen. The strong helping the weak. And I've been weak and I had guys that picked me up and said, Hey, come to church. Hey, read your Bible. Hey, everybody needs to do that to each other. Help the weak. It's a command. And then the other one is a healthy church is patient with everyone. I, I'd like to scratch that one out. You know what the word patient literally means is long-suffering. And sometimes pastoring people is suffering. I'm just telling you. Long suffer. Be patient. And what he's talking about here is being patient with those people who are annoying and offensive. It's not not hard to be patient with an easy person, is it? You have to be patient with someone who is annoying. And, And and people say, Well, that person's a little weird. They're welcome to the church. Weird people are welcomed. And who knows? Maybe they're not weird and you're the weird one. I, you know, it's, it's kind of like you've got to understand that as the body of Christ, we've got to be patient. That's why when you miss a Sunday or two or three, I'm patient. But I guarantee you what? You go in the book. <laughs> Y'all have heard about the book and the book will be burned. All my books will be burned at my death because my wife doesn't want to read them either. But, but I'm here to tell you. I keep thinking, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I keep saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And you, you'll say, well, I've got so much going on. Give me a break. Be patient with each other. And, and that's, that's, I don't ever give up on people. But it's about you being patient with each other too. And there are some annoying people in the world, and you have to love them, and you have to. The church is a place for all to come and be patient with one another. Be patient. That's a command, not a, not a, not a. And then he says, "Do not seek revenge." I'd like to mark that one out too. I mean, don't you like to just scratch some things out? I mean, you hurt me. You say something ugly about me. What do you you think I naturally want to do? Praise Jesus for you. (laughs) But let me tell you something. changed my life. When you live your life according to Scripture, it changes the way you live. So what does he say here? Paul commands them. He says... He says, see that no one pays back evil for evil. Someone hurts me, you know what I'm going to do? Nothing. I download them to Jesus. That's, that's His responsibility. Revenge is never the responsibility of a believer. Vengeance is a normal reaction to being hurt. But vengeance is not the way of a Christ follower. Matter of fact, Jesus said, and this is tough. He says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who hurt. You go in the book. My prayer journal. You go in the book. You, why? Because you do not get revenge. Romans 12, 17 says, never pay back evil with more evil, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. You know what the world teaches? The world teaches you hurt me, I hurt you back. Sit on time, parenting. You, you know, teach your kids the right way to respond. Um, revenge is never the right way. And, and usually the second person gets caught in Revenge. You just watch it on a football field. On a football field, the person who throws the second punch usually gets caught. You say, you just take it, you just walk away. One of the greatest lessons my dad taught me was when someone hurts you, just walk away. Doesn't sound very manly, does it? And then, I like the last one, a healthy church seeks to do good. That person who hurts you, That person who speaks unkind words about you, do you avoid them? Do you quit being around them? Do you know what you do? You do good to them. (laughs) One of the hardest things being a pastor is, and this is just common, I can talk about it now, is being a pastor and, 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 and you preach a sermon and the person who hates you the most comes by and gives you a hug and shakes your hand and says, Good sermon, pastor. You ever have that happen, Dave? (laughs) And what you want to do and what you do are two different things. What you do is you love them and you do good to them. Why? Because that's biblical. It's a command. See, churches would not have their problems. And, and, And our church has done incredibly great. There's not problems that I know of, of course. I'm usually the last one to know about a problem. But it's because people... Have done these kind of things and, and I'm to an age at sixty five where if you say something unkind to me, I probably will talk to you about it. Because if I've offended you, you just come to me and talk to me. Don't tell somebody, come talk to me. Do good to those who do good to those who hurt you makes absolutely no sense. But you see, if if a church does that, like for instance, right now, you know someone's not here this morning. You know what? Don't tell me, call them. Maybe they need to hear your voice. I get paid to care about y'all, right? I get paid. Y'all, if you care about each other, it means something. So that person you had not seen, call them. Hey, we've been missing you. Don't judge them. But man, wouldn't the world be a better place if we just followed if we just followed the scripture. Allow your leaders to lead, warn the lazy, encourage the the faint hearted. Take care of the weak, uh, be patient with everyone, do not seek revenge, seek to do good to everyone. Man, you do that. Not only will the church uh, be different, you will be different, because it's unusual when people do the right thing. Be the church. Six years. How long will I be? I don't know. You know, I've always said as my goal is to have two hundred in worship. We're about halfway there. Um, One hundred and twenty in small groups, uh, close to that. But you, you do understand the reason I'm here. One, I want to be. Two, God called me, and I love it. And. Uh, this is it. When I'm done here, when I'm done here, I'm done. That's why I'm going to keep it as long as I can. Because I don't want me to... As long as, long as I can tell you what, what Scripture teaches, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And God's doing some things. And let me just tell you the last one, and then I'm going to close with prayer. I'll, uh, you know, our youth have done incredible. We've been so pleased with our youth. I go to eat lunch with them uh, every... Um, Every Tuesday, take about $100 worth of pizza. Isn't that right, Aaron? What's your favorite kind? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. Okay. All bacon and then leave you- uh, Huh? Uh-huh. They don't leave me any. <laughs> <laughs> Kiara. Uh, Kiara and, and, and Maggie just consume large amounts of pizza. I'm just here to tell you. But let me tell you, one of my greatest joys is going to that table and sitting with a bunch of teenagers. Y'all want to know what I do with my time on Tuesday? I spend about two hours sitting in the cafeteria. Right, Kasten, Kasten will come over and give me a little hug because he knows I'll get on him if he doesn't. Grab a piece or two of, of, of pizza. Um, but, and I sit there, and we've watched it, haven't we, guys? We've watched the table grow. We've watched the table grow. And guess what? They start coming on Wednesday nights, then they start coming on Sunday mornings. And here's the crazy thing. When I took over this youth thing, because that's my other job, I was told they wouldn't do anything and they wouldn't get involved. That was the biggest mistake I ever believed. These kids are starting to turn it around. So here's my final plea. This totally, we have how many girls going, Pam? Seven, uh, Lake Ouachita asked us to go to camp. I may not go to a retreat called Radiant for Girls. That has never been a problem in the past. Never been a problem because we didn't have anybody go. <laughs> and, um, it's about a thousand dollars and we're going to find the money somewhere, but I'm going to do something real creative. Didn't ask for permission. Okay. I'm just letting you know. As you leave, we're going to have an offering for these girls. I've already written my check, um, and um, and I'm just going to see if we can help them maybe before we take it out of the budget. And you say, what's it for? It's to send seven teenage girls to Camp uh, Siloam for a radiant retreat with Pam and Carrie Ann to, uh, to do that. And we did not have that in the budget. We didn't have that in our site. You know why? Because we haven't had that problem. <laughs> so it's a good problem to have. So... I wrote a check for $25, i am not asking for your tithe, I'm not asking. But as you're leaving today, if you can contribute to that, do we have any offering plates left in here? In the back? Uh, there will be a man at each one. You don't have to do it, uh, you don't have to do it, but if you would like to contribute to help these girls go, it's your opportunity to do that because I'm just grateful we have seven teenage girls that want to go. And uh, and if you don't want to, and if you're a guest, I don't expect you to do anything. But uh, this is just an opportunity for us to help these girls go. When do you all go, Pam? It's uh, February the 23rd is when we leave, and we come back on the 25th. Do you miss a Sunday? We will be missing that Sunday. Ooh, ooh. You're, excuse, you're excused, you're excused. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and uh, Fred's at the back, Greg's got one up here. We have silver ones, oh, gold and silver. Uh, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. This gift will go just for the girls, just a girl of things. So, uh, join me in prayer, then I'll make a few announcements. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here, and I thank you for this church. I've had more fun in the last six years um, than really a preacher ought to be allowed to have. I've also had a lot of heartache, and this church has loved me through the loss of my mom, my dad, my mother-in-law. Lord, they helped us with Julie, and this is just the best church in town, and I'm so grateful for them. Help us to be better. I pray right now that some people will go and start contacting people that, are missing, missing in action, and tell them that we miss them, that we love them. And I thank you so much for your grace and your gift of forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, a couple of announcements that we have. Uh, The men will be meeting at uh, uh, 6 o'clock downstairs tomorrow night. And so it's real informal. We just discuss Scripture. It's not deep, so uh, join us for that. Have no clue what we're eating, all right next uh women on Thursday at six next, Dominican Republic. If you feel like God's calling you to go July twelfth through the twentieth it's open to adults. Um, hope you'll join us the garage show first sec, first and second, bring your stuff, let us know. We'll have that. And then the pancake breakfast on the 11th at 9 a.m. for Montgomery County in the city of Mount Ida. Pick up your financial contributions over there. And we can always use candy for, dar- I mean, children, uh, children's message. All right. Uh, also, some have asked if you want to play pickleball tonight.